You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Aren't you glad that God's working in you? I remember a time he probably wanted to work in me, but uh, I wasn't allowing or didn't even know that he could work in me. And uh, in, in Philippians 2, 3, and I've prayed this over myself quite a bit in the last few years, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is not for what we want to do. He's working in us for what he wants to do. And so not only is he working in us to do it, but he's helping us to get willing. Hallelujah. (laughs) I remember Brother Hagen saying years ago that, you know, there was they had made a shift in ministry and uh, he wasn't a pastor anymore. He was an itinerant minister. And uh, he said that his family was suffering because finances weren't coming in the way they uh, they were used to. And his kids were to do without and that kind of thing. And the Lord said, (laughs) said to him, uh, he said, Lord, I'm doing everything that I know to do that you told me to do. He said, yeah, you're doing it, but you're not willing. And uh, he said, you know, over in Isaiah, it says that it's the willing and obedient that uh, eat the good of the land. And he was saying to the Lord, I'm not eating the good of the land. And the Lord says, you're obedient, but you're not willing. He said, it's amazing how quick you can get willing in those kind of situations. So he's working in us. Amen. And I know before Christ, our BC days, all of us, we could probably swap hell for hell about, you know, what, where we were and what God did and how we were in the ditch and in the gutter and all those kinds of things. But he's working in us now. Amen. And uh, over in John, uh, I think it's 34 or 4, Jesus said, it is my meat to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. So he's working in us and he's working in us not to just start something. He wants us to finish the work. And you know this in the Philippians 1, 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he just want to, doesn't want to start something in us. He wants to finish it in us. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the alpha and omega in our lives, the beginning and the end. Glory to God. Just recently, I went to... Um, This week, actually, Dr. Tony Evans uh, was doing a, uh, they did a movie of their tour to Israel. And uh, so I never really heard his testimony or anything like that, talking about God working in you. And he was saying that they came from, he came from a volatile family. His dad was a bootlegger and uh, made brandy in the basement and sold it to uh, supply money for the family and everything. And with that, you know, all kinds of strange folk come with that kind of territory and all of that. So all kinds of, you know, things were happening in their home and what have you. And he said that um, a a gentleman in their community invited them, their family, to church. And there were some men at the church that told him about Christ and what Christ had done for them. And uh, and so uh, he went home that day. And went down in that basement where he made brandy. And he gave his heart to the Lord in that basement. And uh, then he came upstairs, prayed with his wife, gathered his kids around the table, prayed with all four of his children. And he said the trajectory of their life changed when God started working in them. Amen. 
So he's working in us. Praise God. He's, he, uh, he says, come as you are, but he doesn't leave us as we are. Amen. And uh, we're constantly being conformed into his image and transformed into his image. Glory to God. So, uh, you know, pastors are away right now praying and uh, spending some time with each other and with the Lord. And uh, you may not know or understand why they have to go away. And, uh, and so the Lord has just drawn them away so they can pray over the plan of Cornerstone Word of Life Church. And so they spend time in the presence of the Lord, fellowshipping with him and with one another. And then they do, uh, um, <clears throat> they go to pray and to get more of God's vision, that unfolding and his plan. Uh, for CWL, um, you know, personally for their family, for the church, uh, you know, for what he has out ahead in the future. And, uh, you know, just uh, align themselves, so to speak, as under shepherds, under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. They also get, go and get wisdom and direction from him for the plan for uh, that Lord, the Lord has for them to execute in their assignment here at CWL. And uh, the timing of that is important as well. They also uh, open themselves up for correction and realignment and adjustments being made. Whom the Lord loves, Amen. he chastens, he corrects. And so if there are adjustments that are needed to be made, they open themselves up. Lord, if we're, not doing, if we're doing something that you don't want us to do, if we're not doing something you want us to do, and they open up their hearts to receive that so they can make the adjustments there. And uh, aren't you glad when somebody tells you you're going the wrong way? Amen. And so if we get so stubborn, we're going, you know, I'm, I, I'm right. I know what I'm doing. And someone tries to intervene and tell you you're going the wrong way. And if you reject that help, guess what? You get the consequences of having your own way, right? And we don't want that. And so they don't want that either. So they make those adjustments. So a time that they went away a few years ago, in this particular time, the Lord told them that you need to go back and remind everybody of the why. He said, why do we do things? What's the purpose of why we do th things the way we do them? You know, and I knew I was going to be probably ministering this message uh, a few weeks ago. And so I was sitting back in the sound booth and uh, just different things came to me of why we do things. So one of those, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time so uh, we can get through all this. But why do we lift our hands? And uh, in 1 Timothy 2, 8, uh, <clears throat> it says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without wrath and without doubting. And uh, in, uh, over in the Old Testament, it talks about a lot about lifting holy hands and worshiping the Lord, lifting your hands to his holy oracle, you know, those kinds of things. And so uh, it's an expression of our adoration and our worship to God and to lift our hands to his holy oracle, lift our hands in worship to, um, uh, as a sign of surrender. Uh, to him in worship and reverence, you know. And so I remember a few years ago, uh, Pastor Robert in the youth, they were in their worship time and the Lord told him to open his eyes. And he said, what do you see? And he said, Lord, I'm, I'm not sure. He said, their, their hands are lifted and their eyes are closed, but their heart is far from me. And he said, they're lifting their hands and they're closing their eyes because it's culture. They've learned that by what they see 
but they don't know the meaning of lifting their hands. They don't mean, know the meaning of closing their eyes in worship. And he said, teach them why we do this, why we worship. Why do we have a worship time? Do we have a worship time so that the people who are running late on Sunday morning can get there? That's not why we have worship, right? We have a worship time. That was another one that I have down. Uh, uh, we have worship time because we want to give our love and our adoration and our reverence to God. And this is our time that we do that as a corporate body. We come together and honor him and love on him and give, you know, give him all his due. Amen. And, uh, and worship him. Why do we stand for worship? It's not a requirement necessarily I'm looking at different things, and it's not a requirement that we do that. It's part of culture as well. But uh, with that, if a dignitary, a president, a king, or queen walked in the room right now, we would stand to honor them because of the authority that they stand in. How much more our heavenly Father, as we stand and worship and reverence him, you know, and not to say that you can't sit down and worship. You can but is your heart engaged in what you're doing? That's, and so there's different postures and different things like that that we see in the word of God regarding showing our love and adoration to God. And so whatever you do, get your heart engaged. Not just do things out of road or, you know, uh, uh, Ted says, uh, go, let's just stand and worship. And you go, <sighs> and you just stand there. That's not worship. Amen. Your heart is engaged in what you're doing. So why do we do things? And so one thing I want to look at tonight is why do we have church? Why do we have church? Not to have a minute in your mouth when you're talking. Praise the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read an excerpt from uh, Brother Hagen's book, uh, He Gave Gifts Unto Men. And uh, I want to start by reading that because I want to show you some things. I think that where we're headed and what God's doing today. And uh, <clears throat> you understand that God is at work in us. He's working through us. We read that in Philippians 2.13. And God is not just doing a work. He's doing a work in us. And um, so that literally means that uh, what God is doing, what he's doing in us, he's working to make us willing to do whatever he wants us to do, not what we want to do on our own. And uh, Hudson Taylor, he said this. Uh, he was a founder of the China Inlet Mission. He said, it's a, uh, and it's a wonderful quote. He said, um, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him. It ended, he ended up asking, I ended up asking him to do his work through me. Amen. And so that's what we want. We want God to do his work through us. And he does that in the local church. So uh, in his book, he gave gifts unto men. Uh, I'm just going to read you an excerpt of this. And it will help us in our foundation of what we're going to talk about tonight. He says this, Brother Hagen says this in this book. He says, there are two primary organizations or institutions that God has put his approval on. Number one, the home and the family. He instituted that first. Number two, the church. And really, the local church is like a family. It is a church family. Have you ever noticed that the family and the church are the two things the devil attacks more than anything else? Amen. People are always asking me, 
What is God doing today as if he's going to do something new every day? One of the things God is doing today is emphasizing the local church. And, and that's not new. God has always put his blessing and his approval and emphasis on the local church. But because of some things that have gotten out of balance, he's re-emphasizing the local church to let us know it is a priority, priority to him. Actually, God is just directing us back to where we ought to be. I'll, let, uh, I'll tell you exactly what God wants to do in the body of Christ today. Number one, he wants to build strong local churches. Number two, he wants members of local churches to learn how to flow with the spirit of God. We need to, be, to realize that Jesus Christ, the head of the church, is the one who instituted the local church. And he set the pastoral office in the body of Christ. Notice something Jesus said about the pastoral office in Matthew chapter 9. And this is Matthew 9, 35 and 36. And Jesus went about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The Amplified says this, uh, Amplified Classic, when he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He says, in this passage, the Bible doesn't say anything, uh, say that when Jesus saw the multitudes, uh, he was moved with compassion because they fainted a sheep without an apostle or sheep without a prophet. It doesn't say the multitude fainted as sheep without an evangelist or a teacher. No, it says that they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep without a shepherd. So when sheep don't have a shepherd, they scatter. When sheep don't have a shepherd, they're bewildered, they're harassed, they're distressed, they're dejected, they're helpless, they're lost, they run away, they don't know what they're doing. All because they don't have a shepherd. And I know people like this, they think, that the local church is an entity that is past its prime and we moved on and all of that. And, but Jesus instituted the church. Amen. And we're going to look at a scripture here in just a minute where he said, I will build my church. Yes. And he hasn't stopped building his church. Amen. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so here's a quote. Uh, you know, and I'm, we're not telling you how to, about how to do church. We're telling you why. What is the purpose? Why do we gather together? Why do we come to this building? Why do we leave our homes to gather into this place? Why, why, what's the purpose of it? There's a quote by a coach named Ray Wilkerson. He said, the methods are many, principles are few. Methods change, principles never do. And so the principles that we believe of the word of God, they don't change. Now, how we get that out might be different. You know, at one time in, in history, we got the gospel out by cassettes. 
We got the gospel out by reel to reel. We got the, the gospel out by uh, CDs and DVDs. Now they got MP3s, MP4s, you know, I don't know, all the MP C3PO's, I don't know what all else. <laughs> and uh, so the methods might change. The way you get the gospel out might change, but the message never does. We hold on to the message. And so if the method requires us to change the, mes the message, we don't use the method, right? And so, you know, with us talking about, you know, uh, God being at work in this, we were a mess at one time, but we can't stay in the mess. There's a mission on our lives. There's a mission behind the mess. And so we can't stay there and go, I came from a dysfunctional family and, you know, I was this and I was dejecting and all of that. Jesus has made provision for that, for us to get out of that, because there's a mission on the other side of our mess. Amen. And not only that, there's a mission, there's a message that we carry. Jesus Christ, him crucified, and he died and bar was buried, on the buried and raised on the third day, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. And you can know him and make him known. Amen? So we don't rest in the place where we're comfortable. We don't rest in the place where our mess is. We get up. <laughs> and there's a, there's a mission. There's something we're to do down here on this earth. The reason why we're still here, we could have got born again and just went to heaven. But we're part of an occupying force down here on the earth. And if they can't look at us and see that we're the church, and if we're morphing into something else, how will they know him? How, will, how can they come to the church? And people in the last 18, 19 months have been trying to tell us who we are. Change the identity of who we are. We are the church. We are the blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that has not changed. And he has not changed. We have to know who we are. Because other people are trying to tell us who are, and trying to shut us down and quiet us out. But Jesus says we are the occupying force in the earth until he comes again. And if we don't reflect him, how will they know? Amen. He said, they would know you are my disciples for your love for one another. Right. Have we seen a whole lot of love going on in the body of Christ? So how do they know? And they don't want to be a part of something that's divided. That's right. They already got that out there. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I prayed that I would preach. So praise the Lord. <laughs> there you go. So the principles don't change. Who we are doesn't change. We believe in the word of God that it's the inerrant water of God. It doesn't change. That's right. Amen. Amen. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in healing. We believe in prosperity. We believe in uh, having peace. We believe in what the Bible says. Amen. And that's another thing. If you're in an argument with someone, you don't say, well, I believe this. No, you say the Bible says this. Let them argue with the Bible. The Bible says this. Hallelujah. So Brother Hagin goes on to say, when I say God put his approval on the church, that means the local body, not someone's television ministry. That's not the church. 
That is just an arm of ministry and it can never substitute for the local body. A radio ministry can never take the place of the local body or can crusades or seminars. And in our modern day vernacular podcasts, social media, YouTube, and whatever else we are looking at. And um, so he, um, let's see if I can go on. He goes on to say, radio and television ministries and crusades and seminars are just a supplement to the outreaches of the church. They are not the local church. People who think that they can quit going to church and just listen to television ministries and go to crusades and seminars is like someone trying to stay alive only eating vitamin supplements instead of food. You can see how unreasonable it would be for someone to say, I'm going to quit eating food and take vitamins. No, if a person did that, they would die. It's the same way with the local church. If you quit going to church and just try to grow spiritually by relying on radio and TV ministries and you know, all the other peripheral things, your spiritual diet, your spiritual health will suffer. There are supplements to the church, but when you try to take other ministries and try to use them as the pastoral role in your life, you're going to be scattered. And again, the Amplified says, bewildered, harassed, distressed, dejected, and helpless. One of the things when, um, when the pandemic happened, Pastor had us start praying. And uh, during that, that prayer time, the Lord told us how important it was for the sheep to hear the voice of their pastor. He said, that the, uh, the under shepherds, the uh, pastors would lead them in, through, and out of these circumstances. I know that there were a number of churches that just shut down. And one pastor announced and said, well, uh, <clears throat> since we have to shut church down, I'm going to take a sabbatical. See y'all when it's over. That's a good way to be bewildered and harassed and distressed and dejected and helpless because you don't have your shepherd. Sheep are dumb. You ever studied uh, the comparison of sheep? They'll eat, uh, drink out of still water that's poison and, you know, that kind of thing. They'll wander. They'll just eat and graze and they'll graze off from the from the pack or from the herd or whatever you call that. They'll just go off by themselves because they don't they and they're they're uh, subject to. uh, predators because they go off by themselves and there's you know pastor's wild kingdom theory you know you got your head down that wildebeest right here looking at you're drinking the water out of the and the alligators coming up you know that kind of thing because he's not paying attention he's off by himself and that's not what we want to be that's not how we want to be we, we need a shepherd we need a protector someone to watch over our soul That's what Jesus instituted. And for us to decide that what Jesus decided, who is smarter than us, by the way, (laughs) uh, for us to decide, I don't want that. I don't like that. And when I was talking about correction, pastors going away to pray, and if correction comes from the Lord for them or for us, you know, uh, I don't like that. We had someone come to the church years ago. And uh, they said, y'all are serious about serving God here, aren't you? I'm going, is there something else? 
And I would imagine the fact that you're still here is that you want to be transformed. You don't want to stay the same way that you are. Uh, What's that saying? You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's not us. We want to be. Now, does it hurt sometimes when you get corrected? Uh But who he loves, he chastens. If he sees that we're going the wrong direction. And that's why they bring, he brings uh, shepherds that love us and care for us and don't run off when things get tough. Uh, I know of another church where uh, for uh, over a year during the pandemic last year, they never heard from any leadership at their church that checked on them. They didn't know whether the church was open or closed or whether they had a church to go back to when it opened up again, if it opened. And uh, one of our church members was telling, well, our, our pastoral staff, they're calling us every other week and stuff. They said, well, we, we're not getting that. Your pastors love you. And that when, when this happened, they went into <laughs> supercharge mode. And uh, uh, I mean, pa- pastor was thinking fast, like he said, okay, we got to check on our people. We got to see what's happening, what's going on with them and all of that. And, uh, you know, and, and we've been doing it since then. We've spread the time out some, but just to see how you're doing, how, we've never been through this before. You know, like Joshua said, we've not been here too far. <laughs> and uh, they've not been here too far either. And so they are trying to find their way. And, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at things for your family and how do we navigate this? They're looking for it for our families and how we navigate this and everything else that went on last year. Amen. So <clears throat> praise the Lord. Uh, let's see here. So substitute, you can't substitute all these other things and, uh, and expect to get the result that you uh, want to get. Uh, let's see here. So the purpose of a thing. The purpose of church. Why do we do this? Um, let's see. Um, Jesus said, let's go to Matthew 16. He said, um, <clears throat> he was talking to his disciples here and talking about the work of God on the earth today and Jesus defining it here. He said, who do you say that I am? And they all said, well, a lot of people says a lot of things. And they're saying a lot of things these days, too. But he's, uh, Peter stood up and said, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And this is revelation of God's plan uh, that you just got in on. And so um, and he said to him, I'm here to tell you that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus let them in on what he's doing in the local church. We don't alter and we don't change what he instituted, right? We do it. He is institute the church. It's not our right to say church is um, non-essential anymore. We're not the periphery. Amen. Hallelujah. So he said, I will build my church. And in that word church, there is the word ecclesia, meaning called out ones. It's a Greek word, and I'm, I can't say the Greek word. But Jesus came to change time. Did we mark time by him? 
Jesus came to change time. In Hebrews 11:3, it says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God through faith. So Hebrews 11 here is talking about different people who lived in different times. He sets this up and says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. That word world there uh, means, literally means a specific allotted time, a period of time when the history of mankind, like a decade, a century, or a millennia, and it often denotes the influence of a particular generation. We're here on purpose, y'all. We're here on purpose. Our generation is here on purpose. Not just the young ones that are behind us. We're still here. You know, those are us that are 40 plus. Hallelujah. There's purpose on our lives as well. And with us, you know, that are 40 plus, what have you, or 50 plus, we're here to teach the younger ones. We're to teach them how to be. So Hebrews 11, 3, he says that uh, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed uh, and uh, specific periods of time. And then that word frame there is to arrange in the New King James Spearfield Bible. I like my Spearfield Bible. And it says that word frame, it says to arrange, to set in order, to equip, to adjust, complete, what is lacking fully. This is a job description yeah. of why we're still here. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed, set in order, arranged, equipped, adjusted. So if God is moving in sundry times, in times where we are, this is, the t- this is what's happening in the time of where we are. He's rearranging things. He's setting things in order. The disciples asked Jesus, have you come to set up your kingdom? They were in their minds. They think he's coming to overthrow the government. And he's he's talking about a kingdom they don't know about. Amen. So this is what he's doing with the kingdom. He's uh, what the status of the earth is right now. At the time that he's alive on the earth, he's changing. He's setting in order. He's equipping. He's adjusting. He's completing what is lacking, making full ready, repairing and preparing by showing up. And then it says, and the combination of these two words is used as the same thing, um, is like the disciples when they're mending their nets, restore or restoring a fallen brother in Matthew chapter four. So Jesus left us here so as an occupying force to change, to rearrange, to adjust, to change the order of things to the kingdom. Because he said the kingdom has come. He didn't come to overthrow the government. He had his own and those that believed on him and they believe in his kingdom, they get the benefits of that kingdom and they get to rule and reign out of that kingdom and change the order of things down here out of that kingdom. Hallelujah. And his his is a kingdom that never ends. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We understand that um, it says that he come to change, remold, reshape things and uh, by the word of God, by the word of God, not by brawn, not by picketing, 
not by uh, screaming out of a bullhorn. We change things by the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And we have to believe that what God tells us is true and not uh, go to our own methods of what we think is right and what we think is right. Well, it's antiquated. The Bible is antiquated. We need to, we've evolved and we're different. There's a, a, a church that I heard about recently. They have thrown out the word of God because they said it's antiquated and they're, um, they're living by their own mores and their own deals now because the word is antiquated. It's been around longer than them. And many have tried to get rid of the word of God. Uh, I, I forget what, uh, is it the Moody uh, uh, Bible Society? I forget what the, it was Voltaire, I believe, that, uh, <clears throat> that tried to stamp out Bibles and get rid of Bibles and all of that. And they turned his, when he died, they turned his home into a Bible printing press. So if you try to stamp out God, <laughs> well, you're long gone and you're out of here. He's producing. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, Rick Renner translated Hebrews 11.3 uh, when he says, through, he says, through unrelenting, never, unrelenting, never give up bulldog faith of this. He says this of uh, Hebrews 11.3. He says, through unrelenting, never give up bulldog faith, a faith that never lets go. We understand that the different periods of time and different ages in past human history have been radically altered and changed by those who received and stood by a word from God. So our lives, when we receive a word from God and we believe that word from God, we change things. When God, he, we read it in his word, when he speaks it to us, and we believe and hold on to that word, things start changing and rearranging because we believe that word. Amen? Amen? By the word of God. <laughs> the word of God that keeps producing. When he said light be, it's still being. Amen? That universe is expanding from just him saying that statement. That's the kind of kingdom that we're a part of. Amen? Hallelujah, a never-ending kingdom. And uh, then uh, there's a scripture. Let's see here. This glare up here. Is here. Um, there's a scripture Paul uses in uh, 1 Thessalonians, and uh, the first and second verses of, of 1 Thessalonians. Um, that, if I can read my own. Oh, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.18, where he says Satan hindered us. And he was talking about um, the attempts to be connected with the church in Thessalonica that they, the enemy tried to hinder them. And he was talking about the uh, ecclesia or the church there. That word ecclesia in the New Testament is used 114 times. 90 of those times is talking about a local body. So God's not getting rid of the local church. He's instituted and he's building his church. So <clears throat> 190 is a local, visible, public assembly. Did you know that Jesus used the word church in Matthew 16? And when he said, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, <clears throat> he used the word and represented, the, uh, represented to the disciples a word that they can hear and they knew. So they knew this word church. 
He wasn't just using it going, oh, what is he talking about? They knew when he used ecclesia or he used the word church, what he was talking about. Barclay's New Testament um, says this, words, um, uh, he says is literally a, that word church, is literally a gathering, the overall meaning, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes in some public place. It literally means a gathering, the overall meaning, and a gathering of citizens called out from their homes in some public place. He says the number one definition of assembly of Christians gathered to worship in a religious meeting, those who anywhere in a city or village constitute the company are, are united together. And then it's the whole body scattered throughout the earth. Literally, there is a universal truth to all the word, the word of God concerning the church. But the fact is, it wasn't written to the universal church. It was written to the local church. Even though it is universal in its application, it was the local body that it was written to. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of people don't want to come to church because they said, you know, somebody hurt me at church. Well, welcome to the human race. <clears throat> the church is a spiritual hospital and imperfect people come here. And just the fact that I showed up made it imperfect. The fact that you showed up made it imperfect. None of us are perfect. <clears throat> There's only one that's that way. Amen. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So, uh, you know, you may have heard this before. There's this guide on Desert Island, and uh, the rescue came. And there were three structures that were there. And uh, the first one was his home where he lived and everything. And then the next one, uh, too, and what had a steeple on it. And he said, this is where I worship. And they said, well, what's the, uh, what's the third structure? He said, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the church I go to now. And he's the only one on the island. And so, <laughs> so you stick around by yourself, you'll disappoint yourself for a while. Amen. And uh, so all of us, you're the common denominator wherever you go. So whatever church you go to, you show up, it's imperfect. If it was perfect before you got there, you showed up, it's imperfect. Right? Amen. So we just need to get over ourselves. Uh, if people are coming into a place and they're hurting, hurting people hurt people. I've been hurt by church, but there's a greater purpose in all that. You either stay in the mess or you move towards the mission and carry the message. Amen. Hallelujah. We can all sit down in our hurt. We can sit down in our disappointment and all of that. But when Jesus comes back and we stand before him, that's going to be a lame excuse. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I'll move on. Y'all don't seem like that too much. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> William Barclay, uh, Barclay said this, is one of the most important words, uh, the assembly, um, is one of the most important words in the New Testament. In the classical days of Athens, the ecclesia, or the church, was the convened assembly of people. This assembly consisted of all citizens living in the city who did not have 
who did not have not uh, I can talk. This assembly consisted of all citizens living in the city who did not have uh, did not lose lose their civic rights apart that the fact apart from the fact that its decisions must conform to the laws of the state the assembly the assembly's power were all intents and purposes unlimited and it's talking about the church remember this is the word that we when Jesus used the word church they thought of an assembly of citizens who had rights and privileges and had their powers were considered unlimited this is the church he's talking about the church has powers that are unlimited because a position in society and they went on to say it declared war this is the church it declared war it made peace contracted treaties arranged alliances elected generals and other military officers assigned troops to different campaigns it was un, un, ultimately responsible for the conduct of all military operations it raised and allocated funds to the Greeks and to the Romans alike. The word was very, very familiar in the sense of a convened assembly. So when we look at the assembly against this background, the church is God's assembly and God is the convener. Hallelujah. Literally, what he's saying is we are people who have been summoned out of our homes to come together to a place to meet with God. A summons from God comes to every man and every woman to listen and to act the word uh, in essence. Therefore, the church is a body of people who have not assembled together because they have chosen to come together. They uh, not assembled together because they want to share their own thoughts and opinion, but they assemble to listen to the word of God and the voice of God. Hallelujah. So this word, uh, uh, Ecclesia, um, let's see here. I've got a lot written down, so guys, so I'm sorry about this sticking to my notes so close to. Um, so we're in uh, Acts chapter 19. Of course, Paul is there and he's in Ephesus and he's causing an uproar. And so they have, they know the word assembly too. And so their word, they know that word assembly. And so they're gathered together to do other things. So when Paul comes in town and starts getting folks born again and starts turning, converting people, they don't like that. They don't like his assembly. They want their assembly. And so they're fussing at him and getting on to him about that. And they're worshiping the goddess Diana, of course. But you see, it, um, it, they're not just gathering a crowd. The church is not gathering a crowd. This is a purpose of why we're coming together to worship and to honor God, to get uh, instruction from him. We have camaraderie with one another. We had a gentleman uh, a few years ago. We were still over the other building. No, it was actually here. And uh, he saw one of his brothers in Christ walk through the door and he saw his countenance and he knew something was up. So he went up to him and said, hey, brother, how are you doing? And, uh, and, the, and he wasn't doing that well. He had a family member die. And he said, can I pray for you? And he started praying for him. That doesn't happen sitting in your living room. We're here to help one another. And so you're sitting in your living room. And I know y'all are here. I'm, I'm not fussing at y'all. I'm going to make that clear. But when you're not uh, having that camaraderie and, and, and in being in that place of helping one another, you, get st you stay in your mess. 
And so that brother helped another brother that day. His iron sharpened his iron. And that's why we come together to help one another. So in the assembly of gathering together, I have a supply for you and you have a supply for me. In this corporate setting, in this corporate anointing, we help one another. And in this corporate setting, in this corporate anointing, in this worship that we have together, uh, God can come in and do some things in the midst of us that he can't do alone. He never meant for us to do this alone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to build a crowd. He said, I'm going to build a church, build my church. We are the church of the living God. Amen. Um, and we've been joined together to come together with power that raised that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Not even just as a corporate, but he lives in here. So when you, the sanctuary, leave the sanctuary, he goes with you. Amen. For you to be a witness. Jesus said, Terry here in Jerusalem and uh, to be endued with power, to be a witness. Amen. Go be a witness. Be a witness of what? Of his endued power that you've received. That he changes lives and he's still doing it today. What he did in the past, he's still doing it right now today. Uh, miracles hasn't pa haven't passed away. Healing hasn't passed away. All the other things that Jesus did when he walked up on the earth, he's still doing it today because he's doing it through us. The Ecclesia. Hallelujah. So no political structure. <laughs> Nothing that they can do can stamp us out. Amen. Because we are part of a mighty moving force. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. William Booth, um, he was a uh, founder of the Salvation Army. He made this statement. <laughs> he said, most Christian organizations would like to send their workers to Bible college for five years. I would like to send our workers to hell for five minutes. That will prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. That's so good, I might read it again. Most Christian organizations would like to send their workers to Bible college for five years. I would like to send our workers to hell for five minutes. That will prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. Now, we're not advocating, not, we got Bible schools here, we got Bible schools in other countries, so we're not saying get rid of Bible school. But at the same time, and I've been, uh, I've been to three of them. But a lot of times we go to Bible schools and just get knowledge and don't do anything with it. Going to hell is going to cause you to do something with it. <laughs> right? We're going to tell people not to go here. <laughs> and uh, I just invite you to go uh, to YouTube and listen to Brother Hagen's message on I went to hell. Oh, that'll turn some things around for sure. I heard, and he tells his story of how he descended and went down and how a creature was escorting him towards the fires of hell and how he was screaming out and he could hear his own voice. He couldn't even see his own hands. It was so dark. Just the, only the fires that he could see and how he screamed. And I was walking, I was there when, uh, at Ramah when he was telling it one time. I was walking from one class to another and he, the screams that were coming from him from the pulpit. And that's why he worked so hard to teach us to not let people go there. 
help get people not to go there. So William Booth said, if we go for five minutes, that'll set you up for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. <clears throat> Here uh, at Noon Prayer, especially lately, I'll say the last month, we've been hearing this, this term, callings or calling. Callings or calling. Uh, Jesus over in Matthew chapter 9 said that his solution for those who were scattered abroad with sheep without a shepherd, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest, that he would was, he was send forth laborers into his harvest. The Amplified says, force out and thrust out laborers into his harvest. And so uh, time is getting shorter. I remember when I was a kid, my grandmother, would, uh, she did it to, I think, to get us in line. But she would always tell us that God is watching us and he's coming back soon, so you better behave yourself. And if he was coming back back then, the time is more imminent now. And so we need workers in the, uh, in the fight to, to not only get, get people and get them born again, but to disciple them and grow them, them up to send them back out to get other people. Amen. We can't do this alone. We can't do it by ourselves. And so we've been hearing this callings are calling. And he said, there's a clarion call for laborers in the body of Christ. And Matthew, again, the, he said, the thrust out, force out laborers into the body of Christ. Uh, we've been praying a lot for children who have calls on their lives. I believe we have little evangelists that haven't shown up yet. And we were praying out for that particular gift for evangelists. We haven't seen that strong emphasis of it. Now, Christopher Alam, oh yeah, I think he qualifies. Praise the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> so the, with that call, what if Matthew, Mark, uh, you know, Paul, all of them, when Jesus left, they decided, I'm going back to fishing. I'm you know, they just abandoned the mission. We wouldn't be here. And people are abandoning their posts. I was reading an article today about pastors that, um, <clears throat> that, uh, the, in, it, the pastors wanting to leave the ministry has increased 9% from this time last year. And that's leaders of ministries. So if they're leaving, the sheep are scattering. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I got so much here. Uh, praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> Glory to God. Charles Spurgeon, he delivered a message called Satan Hindered Us. Um, and in that message, um, it was based on, or um, as a reminder in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus, you know, we quote, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but it's attached to verse 7. And verse 7 says, remember those who brought the word to you. Remember them. Remember their faith and follow them, considering the end of their life, for Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, there were people that came before us that went through struggles that we are to follow their faith. There are people who had hard times. There are people who went through difficulties. And he's saying, we are to follow their faith. So uh, Charles Spurgeon is saying, he was building a church. 
and he was in a rented hall. And, uh, <clears throat> and so um, he was up preaching, and these young men thought it was cute, and they uh, called out fire. They did a prank and called out fire, and there was a balcony. And uh, when they heard fire, people started running, and seven people were killed, and a number uh, of people went to the hospital uh, because of it. And uh, <clears throat> years later, when he, um, he built a church, and um, it was... Uh, He's preached this message, uh, Satan hindered us. And this is what he said in the message. Excuse me. Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly communion than we do. Since uh, since he sees union in in strength, strength. He does his best to promote uh, separation. And so he would keep Paul away from his, these brothers and sisters who he might have gladdened his heart and whose hearts he might have cheered. Listen to this. He hinders you because he is afraid of you. He hinders you because the night is almost over and the light is about to shine and remove all the darkness. Satan hinders you. If he hinders you, I urge you to redouble your efforts. It is because Satan is afraid of you and he re, uh, and that um, Satan is afraid of you that he resists you. He wants to rob you of the blessing which is now descending. Resist him and stand fast. Resist him and stand firm. Satan hinders you because the night is almost over and the day star begun, is, has begun to shine. O Christian pleading in prayer, do not let go of your hold on the covenant. You have a promise to make uh, to make um, you have a promise to make you gird, gird your loins and play the man. What uh, what is that promise? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do not flee from him. Make him flee from you. Yeah, Glory to God. Let's turn to Ephesians 1 17. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.17, and we'll wrap it up. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and this is uh, Paul talking, of course, to the church at Ephesus. And uh, we know this prayer. We use it a lot around here. Uh, Rick Renner, in his paraphrase of Ephesians 1, uh, and I'll, I'll read verse 17 here in just a minute. He says, since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the Rick Renner Uh, Bible paraphrase since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that living breathing thriving flourishing type of faith that you corporately share and experience among yourselves that belief in the Lord I also heard of your God like love that you share and continually keep directing and depositing in all the saints that is those whom God separated set aside and reserved for himself now put Ephesians 1.17 back up, guys. <clears throat> and we know this prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, our Father is the Father of glory, yes. may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Not in the knowledge, and you can use this prayer, you know, in the knowledge of other things, but the primary purpose here is in the knowledge of, uh, of him of him, his calling, what he has on your life goes to verse 18. 
the eyes that our eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling. He has a calling in our life and his calling is calling out for us to mobilize and do what we need to do to build the church of Jesus Christ. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory? That's what you have in Christ. You have an inheritance in Christ. Verse 18 and 19. And what is the exceeding greatness? What you can do in Christ. This is his power who is towards us word. It says it to us who believe this power is to us. And we're to do something with that power. Amen. That power is to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, far above. <laughs> he seated us far above. Christ is seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that which is to come and have put all things, say all things. All things. What are you dealing with? It's covered by all things. He has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over what? All things, all things to the church, which we are. Go ahead. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Amen. That power is to us. Work. Hallelujah. We're to operate in that power It's to us and not only to us, but it's to um, to to help us in our life, but also to go out and give that power to other people. Yeah. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Uh, Jesus in over in Revelation, he, he talks about the seven churches and uh, seven lampstands and those lampstands are light. We are the light of the world. A city set on a hill. We're not supposed to put a this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to put it on the bushel. <laughs> I'm not going to hide it. Right. We let our light shine. We don't become like the world and in the darkness. We let our light shine so they can see where to come. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And we, he said, put it on a lampstand so that others can see. Um, <clears throat> as I was preparing this, we're going to close here. I, as some of you might remember this and it kind of dates myself. But there was a song that we sung years ago. I think Leon Patillo wrote it, and uh, it, it's called Lord Prepare Me to Be a Sanctuary. Let's stand up. <clears throat> Didn't quite come out the way that I had planned, but praise the Lord. <clears throat> and this is like a prayer. This song is like a prayer. And if you don't know it, you know, just stand there and surrender your, your heart to him. And uh, I'll sing it. I'll try to. Uh, and, uh, and it's just make it a prayer of your heart. We are his church. We are his body. We are this occupying force in the earth. If, if people are looking for hope, if they're looking for rescue, if they're looking for their lives to change or to turn around, we need to use, uh, be our lampstand. We need to be visible to them so they could know exactly what to do and how to come to him. And the song goes like this. 
Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a Sanctuary for you. Lord, prepare me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and sanctuary is a set-apart place. A sanctuary is a sacred, holy place. If we're going to be a living sanctuary, we're set apart from the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that you showed us the purpose of why we have church, why we come together, why the purpose of gathering together to worship you, to honor you, to get our, uh, the mess in our lives cleaned up of what we came out of. And Father, we embrace the mission that you've given us to do, what we can do in Christ. And Father, uh, we have a message that we are to impart, that we are to carry to a lost and dying world. Father, I just ask you... Uh, right now to help us as the body of Christ not to get caught up in the, um, how do we say it, the nation that we were sent ambassadors to be in. We live from a different kingdom. Ambassadors live from a different kingdom. The rights and privileges and, and of that governing body of that kingdom apply, but they don't live by it. And they don't adapt to, Father, where they've been sent to. Help us to be set apart ones. Help us to be light that people can see and, and be drawn to. And Father, help us to show forth your love so that people will know that we are your disciples. Father, and be a reflection of the kingdom of God. We thank you for helping us. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.